Turn with me to Luke. What chapter is it? Five. And we're going further in this tonight. I'm excited about it. Am I by myself? I'm excited about it. I believe you will be too as we get into it. Luke 5 and verse 12. It said, came to pass when Jesus was in a certain city, behold, a man full of leprosy. This is the last stages of this. This is, he would be considered terminal incurable. He saw Jesus and he fell on his face and he besought him. He said, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. He believed the Lord could do it, but he was not persuaded of his willingness to do it. He was unsure about if it was God's will to heal him or not heal him. Isn't this the position of millions of Christians today? They are persuaded of God's ability to heal. Oh yeah, oh God can do it. God can heal anything. Well, is it his will to heal you? I hope so, they say. I I don't know. I hope so. Well, how are we going to find out if it's his will? Well, if I'm healed, then we'll know it was his will. And if not, then it's obvious that it wasn't his will. But isn't it true that millions of Christians are ascertaining the will of God just like that? To them, the will of God is whatever happens. That was the will of God. But is it true that there are things happening that are not the will of God in this earth? Is everything that's happening the will of God? Hmm? People being destroyed? Innocent children being destroyed? People starving to death? All these accidents, all this terrorism, all the poverty, is that the will of God? Does that please Him? People dying without Jesus, going to hell, is that the will of God? No, but is it happening? Yes, it is. Things are happening that are not the will of God. And you know, different groups try to say, well, you know, everything that happens, there's a reason. And what they're trying to say is God has a reason for it and he's doing it. And even though it may look bad, you don't understand it. It's the will of God. Don't question it. This is not true. I said, this is not true. All of the tragedy and destruction and evil and bad things that are happening to people all over the planet are because man has a free will. That's why it's happening. Not because God chose it. Not because it pleases him. Not because it's his will. Man has a free will and has chosen not to obey God. And not to believe God. And to sin against God and against the fellow man. No, the Bible said soon and very soon he's going to come back. This thing's going to be wrapped up. It's going to be changed There's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. There's going to be no more curse. There's going to be no more pain, no more sorrow, no more crying, no more dying. Hallelujah. That's the will of God. Always has been, always will be. You don't find the will of God 
by looking to what has happened or hasn't happened. Where do you find the will of God, faith, life, church? Help me out. Where? In the Bible. The Word of God reveals the will of God. Well, Jesus is the Word of God. Manifested in the flesh. And when this man says, I know you can, if you will... The Word of God, the will of God answered the question. Didn't he? Verse 13, Jesus put forth his hand and he touched this man that is questioning the will of God to heal. And he said, what did he say? I will be thou clean. And immediately the leprosy departed from him. The man was healed. What did Jesus say to the question? I know you can if you will. What did he say? I will. Is this the word of God? Is it eternal? Is the Lord a respecter of persons? Then if he's no respecter of persons, then whatever he said to him, he'd say to you. Has he changed? Or is he the same yesterday, today, and forever? If he has not changed, then whatever he said then, he's still saying now. If you didn't know any other verse, you ought to believe it's his will for you to be healed. Because Jesus said it right here. He answered the question. Didn't he? But in case that's not enough for somebody. (laughs) We have gone on to search the word and to give 30, 30 reasons from the Bible why we are sure it's God's will for all of us to be healed today. Now, in case you're still struggling with this, you say, yeah, but now, Brother Keith, not everybody's healed. I know it. (laughs) But does that prove the will of God? Is is everybody saved? Then if somebody died without Jesus, that proves it's not always his will for people to be saved. No, it does not. The Bible said it's not his will that any should perish. Then why and how are people dying without him? They have a choice. They have a will. But what is happening in people's lives is not proving the will of God. The will of God has been revealed in the Bible and it does not change no matter what you experience or I experience or somebody didn't experience. The will of God doesn't change. He is God. He changes not. His will has always been that people be whole and healed and saved and free and blessed and rich. And it is his will and it will be his will. He never, ever changes. But the Bible said in the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. So we've been going to verse after verse and scripture after scripture, giving 30, 30 biblical reasons why we are sure it's God's will for all of us to be healed today. And if somebody says, well, I don't agree with that, we'll get them to give you 30 biblical reasons why they are sure it's not his will. People's theories and opinions and experiences are just not enough. Verses, scriptures, the Bible. So if you haven't been with us, these are available online. You can download them for free in their entirety. And we are up to reason number what tonight? Anybody know? We have gone through reason number one, two, three, all the way up to reason number 23, 
why we're sure it's God's will for all to be healed today. And I think we'll go on to another one. You ready? Are you ready? Go to Psalm 91. Anything to shout about in Psalm 91? We said we're sure it's God's will for all of us to be healed because God's word is medicine. A strong spirit will sustain you. The original creation, God's will in heaven, the origin of sickness. We saw sickness as a work of the devil. We saw we have a covenant of healing. We talked about the eternal names of God. Number nine, sickness is a curse. Number ten, the types of redemption. Number eleven, redemption itself. Number twelve, the first fruits of our eternal inheritance. Number thirteen, the eternal fatherhood of God. Number fourteen, healing's the children's bread. Number fifteen, the mercy of God. Number sixteen, we got authority over disease. Number 17, the ministry of Jesus. He spent a large portion of it ministering healing to people, and it's still going on today. Number 18, the laying on of hands. Number 19, the good shepherd. Number 20, healing in the acts. Number 21, signs and wonders and gifts of healing. Number 22, prayers for healing. Number 23, the all-inclusive promises of God. God has promised repeatedly to do all things, anything, and whatsoever thing that whosoever would ask in faith, believing they receive, would that include healing? Have to. Now reason number 24 tonight. Are you ready? Are you ready? What about the rest of you? Are you ready? Are you ready? We are sure it is God's will for all to be healed today because he has promised us long life. Long life. Now, brother, we're going to get in this tonight. I mean, we're going to get up to our eyes in it. And we don't care what anybody thinks about it. We only care what the Bible says about it. Are you with me? Are you ready? I mean, you need to get your fingers warmed up. We're going to go to scriptures. We're going to get in the Bible. We're going to answer questions. Sit out loud. God's will is long life. Not short life. Long life. Are you excited? You might say, well, why do you keep talking about whether we're excited or not? What does that matter? Oh, it matters. It matters. Uh, when I was first year Rama, I always sat on the front row in healing school. And a friend of mine, uh, myself, was there every day at healing school. And we went to uh, a Mexican restaurant for lunch. And had the uh, special, a big one. And uh, it was in the summertime and, uh, no, excuse me, it was in the wintertime. And it was cold outside. We came in. It was warm. And we're full of Mexican food. And Brother Hagen is teaching that day. And he wasn't preaching and there was no fast organ music. He was teaching line upon line. And next thing I knew, my eyes were about half masked. Of course, you've never done anything like this before. <laughs> But he was up on the platform last time I noticed him. (laughs) Ah, you know what's coming up, don't you? Next thing I know, he's right in front of me. And he went, get excited, boys. (laughs) Oh, man, I think we jumped about that high off. Get excited, boys. He said, it's when you get excited about the word of God that it works for you. And you know, it's true. It's true. If you're really believing it, you get excited every time. If you can hear it and you kind of go, ho-hum, yeah, I've heard all that. That's a, you're not believing it. It's just mental assent. It's not real to you. 
So that's why I keep talking about that. And I believe as we get into this word tonight, you're going to get excited about what God has given to us in this area. And that you have a right to a long, happy, satisfying, fruitful, victorious life in the Lord. Oh yeah. Psalm 91, are you there? Psalm 91 and 16. What did he say? With long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation with long life. Now, if you weren't with us, we had a high heel time camping out in Psalm 91, didn't we? I mean, we camped here for months. And there's a series called Perfect Protection. And if you hadn't heard it and hadn't thought much about this, you might want to immerse yourself, especially in this dangerous world we live in today. Get a hold of this. It's available. Uh, no charge. And you have to say that because people think you're trying to sell something. We're not trying to sell anything. It's, we just want you to be protected. Somebody says, well, what's his angle? No angle. Uh, yeah, he'll hit us with it later on here. No, I won't. No. Every, all the word senders and all the family here said out loud, we just love you. We just want to bless you. No strings. So you heard it from the word senders themselves. Okay. Listen to this. Young's literal translation says, with length of days, I will satisfy him and cause him to look on my salvation. Easy to read translation, that is the name of it. It says, I will give my followers a long life and show them my power to save. I like that, don't you? Uh, The NCV says, I'll give them a long, full life and they'll see how I can save. God's word translation says, I will satisfy you with a long life and show you how I can save you. The CEV says, you'll live a long life and see my saving power. Say it out loud, I will live long long, and I will see see how he can save. save. Now see, if you read this whole psalm, that's the end of that 91st psalm. You understand, how am I going to make it to a long life? It's because I didn't get destroyed. Uh, I didn't perish from the pestilence or the disease or the error that flew by day, right? I was spared. I was protected. I was healed and got satisfied. With a long, full life, how did I get satisfied with long life? Because I kept seeing how he could save. Oh, do you see this? I kept seeing how he could save. Say it again. I will see. How he can save. save. And he'll satisfy me. me. With a long full life. life. Now when you say that. Then the next question is. How long is long? Because we got all kind of people around. That say well you know. Man you've had a full 20 years. You've lived more than 20 years. And some people did in 40 and 60. So you know. You have had a full life. Well, no, the Bible tells us how long is long. 
And we don't need to let anybody else try to give us some of their fancy footwork and their religious traditional idea of it or try to talk us out of what is long. You're in Psalm 91. Just back up to the 90th Psalm is a uh, some verses that a lot of people refer to in talking about a long life, but actually is a misapplication of the word. Psalm 90, uh, verse 3, says, You turn man to destruction, and you say, Return, you children of men, for a thousand years in your sight are but as yesterday, when it is past, and as a watch in the night. Now, have you heard that before? Reading the New Testament, have you read anything like that about a thousand years? Well, he's actually quoting this verse over in Second Peter. In fact, hold your place here. Go to Second Peter. I could quote it to you. I could read it to you. I got it right here. But let your eyes rest on it. Let it get in your spirit because this is important to the rest of what we're going to be talking about. You see that he's talking about lifespan in 91.16. In just a couple of verses below where we're reading in Psalm 90, he's talking about lifespan. And he begins it by talking about this thousand years and yesterday. Isn't that a time reference? In First Peter, excuse me, Second Peter, the third chapter and the eighth verse. Second Peter 3.8, he says, Beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing. When the Lord says don't be ignorant about it, you can be sure that a lot of people are ignorant of it. <laughs> That's why he wouldn't have said that. So we want to be sure that we're not ignorant of it. Of what thing? Don't be ignorant of this one thing. What one thing are you talking about? That one day... Is with the Lord as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. I think we have heard that and and realized that time with God is different than it is with us. But just pass it off as an ununderstandable thing. Well, it's just a great mystery. No, he was very specific, wasn't he? About not being ignorant about this one thing. Certainly there are all kind of things about time and space and spirit and physical that we are not going to see in this realm. And he didn't tell us about all that. But this thing he did tell us about. What? That with the Lord, one day is as a thousand years. Say it out loud. One day day. as a thousand years years. with him. Now, who knows more about time, him or us? (laughs) Certainly him. And it's important, we're going to see that, go back to Psalm 90 now, and you'll see why I'm getting into all this. Because the question we're trying to answer is, how long is long? Because with long life, he'll satisfy me and show me his salvation. Well, how long is long? 20, 30, 40, 50 How old is old? Y'all are quiet. Psalm 90. He said, verse 4, a thousand years in your sight are but as yesterday, when it is past, and a watch in the night. So a thousand years to him is like a day that passed yesterday. Like a day. He said, verse 7, now get this, for we're consumed by your anger, 
And by your wrath are we troubled. You have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your countenance. For all our days are passed away in your wrath. We spend our years as a tale that is told. Now let's just stop right there. Is he talking about a people experiencing the blessing of God in obedience to God? No, he's not. In fact, do you have a subtitle on your, where it says Psalm 90? What does it say? Mine says a psalm of Moses, the man of God. Now read the very next verse, verse 10. The days of our years are three score years and ten. That's 70 years. And if by reason of strength they be four score years, yet is their strength, labor, and sorrow, for it's soon cut off and we fly away. Well, a number of people have taken this as being the, uh, the, the maximum of life that anybody could expect to live, about 70 years, or if you're strong, you might make it to 80. And they've taken that as the scriptural approximate maximum one might expect to live. But I submit to you that this passage was not given to that purpose. That he is describing what is happening to the generation of Israelites that are perishing in the wilderness. Look at this. Look at the other passages and see if they don't fit. Um, Numbers 14. Don't turn there, but listen to him. Numbers 14. They had tempted the Lord ten times, not believing him. And they said, we're all going to die out here. They kept saying that every time they turned around. We're all going to die out here. And when he told them to go up and take the land, they didn't. They sat in their tents and cried through unbelief. And finally, he said to them in Numbers fourteen twenty-eight, As truly as I live, says the Lord, as you have spoken in my ears, so will I do to you. Your carcasses will fall in this wilderness. And all that were numbered of you, according to your whole number, from twenty years old, old and upward that have murmured to me. He said, all of you from 20 years old and uh, older are going to die out here in this wilderness like you said you were. And he said, verse 34, after the number of the days in which you search the land, even 40 days, each day for a year, you will bear your iniquities 40 years. Well, what's 40 and 20? 60. That was the youngest. So anybody over that, older, you add that amount of time to them. And Moses said, here, they're all dying between 70 and 80. And in 40 years, that whole generation had died out. Was that the description of people obeying God and pleasing God and living the full length of their time and being blessed? No, it is not. Well, if 70 or 80 is not the maximum the Scripture talks about, what is? Well, I'm glad you asked. Go to Genesis, the sixth chapter, because we are given a number in the Bible. How old is old? I'm about to tell you how old is old. Actually, I'm about to read it to you. Genesis, the sixth chapter. How many believe in to see some things tonight you haven't seen before? Believe with me now. Stay hooked with me real strong. Don't be distracted. You must say, well, I'm only 17. I don't care about this. You will. <laughs> I said, you will. You better pay attention. You better focus. Anybody in here remember when 40 was old? 
Ain't looking so old now, is it? (laughs) Genesis, the sixth chapter. Genesis 6 and verse 3. Genesis 6 and 3, are you there? He said, the Lord said, My spirit shall not always strive with man, for that he also is flesh. Yet his days shall be a hundred and twenty years. God says the days of man shall be a hundred and twenty years. Listen to another translation. The New Living Translation says, The Lord said, My spirit will not put up with humans for such a long time. They're only mortal flesh. In the future, their normal lifespan will be no more than 120 years. The NCV says a very similar thing. He says they will live only 120 years. Somebody say only 120. Now that sounds strange to us, but it didn't to them. It was appalling to them because they are living almost a millennium. If you back up, you don't have to do it, but the previous chapter, the fifth chapter, and read, this is just a few verses before what we just read, you'll see it tells how long different ones of these individuals lived. Adam, verse 5, he lived to be 930 years. Somebody say 930. Somebody said, oh, Brother Keith, he didn't live that long. That's just some kind of confusion with the numbers in the Bible. No, it's not. He really lived that long. 930 years. And we can prove it to you any number of ways, but let me continue. Seth lived 912 years. Enos lived 905 years. Canaan lived 910. Mahalalel didn't make it that far, just 895. <laughs> Jared lived 962 years. And uh, Noah, it doesn't say here, but you read later on because he's still living through all this. He lived to be 950 years. And there was a man by the name of Methuselah. In verse uh, 27, he lived to be 969 years old. Some would say 969. 969. Now you tell Adam 930, Noah 950, Methuselah 969. You tell them that a young fellow died over here at 120. What would they think? 120? (laughs) No way. He He was just a kid. To a 900-year-old, how old is a 100-year-old? See, it's all perspective, isn't it? That would be like a 90-year-old hearing somebody died at age 10. Maybe that helps help us to understand. You'd think, no way. They hadn't even started yet. Why? Because the Bible tells us that the whole planet had become evil. And their imagination was only evil and violence continually. And these people are living almost a thousand years. And God said, I'm not putting up with this. 
You know, how many know that if a, you know, a guy, we've seen some people that only lived 40, 50 years and did a lot of damage to humanity. Yes, what about a real evil individual that lived a thousand years? I mean, you talk about he could become proficient at sinning and evil. Century after century. And that's what the Lord is saying. My spirit is not going to strive with men like this. I'm shortening this. The days of man shall be 120 years. He changed it then. It has never been changed since then. This is it. 120. Somebody say 120. 120. Now if you read through the rest of the chapters over about verse 11 or so. You'll see that as soon after the flood, something happened. Something changed. And this went into effect. And people are living only to four and five hundred. And then Abraham's dad uh, lived to be two hundred. He only lived to be a hundred and seventy-five. Can you see what's happening? It's coming down. And it's stabilized at around that hundred and twenty mark. Of course now, because of people's lifestyle in this country... Just, uh, oh, what, back in the, um, was it the 1800s? Uh, in the West, average span of a man's life was about 40. In Europe at different times, the average lifespan of a man or woman was 35. But that's changed. Amen. I said, that's changed. That was men's doing. God never changed it. Let me read to you some interesting numbers. Are you ready? Anybody getting excited about this besides me? Do you care? You ought to care. Somebody said out loud, with long life, he will satisfy me and show me how he can save. Listen to this. The United States, our country here, currently has the greatest number of people over age 100 in the world. Statistics showed in 2005 that there were 55,000 of them over age 100. Somebody say 55,000. Just in this country. Over age 100. It is estimated that by the year 2050, the number of U.S. centenarians, people over age 100 will exceed 830,000. There may be even a million people over age 100 by 2050. How about that? They say that worldwide there are approximately 500,000 people over age 100 right now. Worldwide. Why am I saying all this? Because the devil's telling you nobody lives that long. Oh, there might be one or three in the world. How about a half a million? Why couldn't you be in that club? Could you be in that club? Listen to this. There's also a group they call super centenarians. That's people who live past age 110. They estimate there's about 400 of those alive over age 110. The reason I say this is because when you read the scripture 120 years, a lot of people go, ah, 
No, no, that's just not realistic. Not only is it realistic, it's happening in the world today, now. There are at least two. Now, the records are kind of iffy, you know, when you go back very far. But uh, the Guinness World Book of Records have proven and demonstrated at least two people in our generation that have lived over 120. Two people have lived over 120. The oldest, and I was kind of keeping up with her over the past few years because she just died in 97. Lady named Jean Louise Calmet from France. She died uh, August 1997 at age 122. This is documented. 122. She led an extremely active life. She took up fencing, you know, fencing at age 85. Said <laughs> so she'd try something new. She rode her bicycle actively past age 100. She's riding her bike. At age 114, she played herself in the movie Vincent and Me, becoming the oldest actress on record in film. It's happening. Somebody say it's happening. This is not ridiculous to think that you could live to be 120 years old. Somebody said out loud, it's not ridiculous. Other people are doing it. 55,000 people in the U.S. right now alive over age 100 right now. Now let's go back to this thing we read in Psalm 90. That with the Lord, a thousand years is like a day. Then, if that's so, and we know it is, then how long were people living in the beginning? About a day. About a day. Noah lived almost a day. Adam lived almost a day. Methuselah was the closest one we have record of. 969, he almost lived a whole day. Right? Think about it. It makes sense on a lot of levels, doesn't it? Different scriptures talk about day, a day this and a day that. And uh, the man had his day. This is our day. But now our day has been reduced. To what? Two and a half hours. <laughs> if a day is with the Lord as a thousand years, that would make a 24 hour, if you divide it you know, by 24, then an hour is about 42 years. So 120 years would be less than three hours. As the Lord sees it. And we need to get our minds renewed so we see it like he does. Because the devil will tell you, oh, ten years is a long time. It's not. We need to see it like the Lord does. I mean, if you made it all the way to 120, you got less than three hours to be here. 
from God's perspective. So don't let anybody try to talk you out of part of your time because you're only here a couple of hours anyway. <laughs> now, I know it sounds strange to us and you're laughing, but this is not even a joke with God. That's the only way he sees it. It's the only way he sees it. Time, see, we think a year's a long time. With him, it's what? Half a minute. No, excuse me, a minute is about half a year. So, our life is a vapor, he said. What is your life? It's a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. And of course, a couple of hours is. And a lot of us, middle aged, what we got left? <laughs> An hour? Hour and a half? Check your watch. <laughs> and then you're out of here. If the Lord tarries, is coming that long. Now, you know, people don't want to talk about death. People are afraid to talk about death. The whole world is just mortified about death. But Christians are not supposed to be. I said Christians are not supposed to be afraid to talk about death, look at death, discuss death. Why? Because him, uh, Jesus, took part of flesh and blood, the Bible said, and destroyed him that had the power of death. So that he might deliver those who all their lifetime were subject to bondage through the fear of death. That's why, glory to God, it says in 1 Corinthians, O grave, where is your victory? Right? Death, where is your victory? Grave, where is your sting? Grave, the grave and death has been de-stung, de-clawed. Stinger's been removed. Why? Because to us, death holds no fear. We know what happens. We're not afraid. And if you could back off outside the planet a few hundred miles and could see in the spirit, there is a constant flood of people coming into the earth and leaving the earth. There are arrivals. What's that? Conceptions and births. And there are departures. People leaving the planet. Millions are leaving right now. Hmm? And soon and very soon you'll leave. Mrs. Ooh, don't talk about that. Come on, get free. Are you a believer? Are you born again? Then this physical death is not the end. You slip out of your body. Go to be with Jesus. It's exciting. But we're only here for a couple of hours. Don't let anybody talk you out of part of your hour. Y'all with me or not? (laughs) Go to Philippians. Say it out loud. I am not afraid afraid of death. death. Jesus had conquered death. death. I'm not afraid to die. I'm I'm saved. saved. I'll go to be with Jesus. Jesus. Now if you're afraid of death, you need to get the word in you until you get free from this. It's a paralyzing thing. It's a tormenting thing. And you're not supposed to have it like the rest of the unsaved world has it. You're supposed to be unafraid of death. Did you go to Philippians? 
Anybody getting stirred up at least a little bit? Hmm? Philippians, verse 1, verse 20, excuse me, chapter 1. What are y'all laughing about? (laughs) Chapter 1, verse 20. He said, according to my earnest expectation and my hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with all boldness as always, so also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death. Sit out loud, Christ shall be magnified in my body, in life and in death. Verse 21, for to me to live is Christ, the anointed one, the anointed life, the anointed victorious life. And to die is scary. Why did I say that? Because to millions, it is petrifying. Hmm? They think dying is the worst thing in the world could ever happen to you. But it's not. I said, it's not. He said, by the Spirit of God, Paul said, for me to live is Christ. But to die is gain. Keep reading. To die is gain. For if I live in the flesh, this is the fruit of my labor. Why should we stay and live in the flesh? What's labor? Work. And as a result of work, fruit. Why should we fight? Why should we fight to be protected? Why should we fight to survive? And to be healed? And to live? Finish up our two and a half hours. Why? To do the work... And to get the fruit, because it's over so quick anyway. Right? Somebody say, I want to get all my work done. Get all my fruit. So you don't want somebody else getting your work and your reward and your fruit. You want to get all you're supposed to get. Because I'm telling you, when this thing is over, before the judgment seat of Christ... Getting our rewards for what we've done in the body and in the work of the Lord. You people think it ain't that big of a deal now. It's going to be amazing and forever. You, if you didn't do it, you will have wished that you did everything that you could have done. Now the devil, if he can't, you know, get you to live in evil and sin and hurt other people. If you're going to be a Christian, then he wants you out of here. Now, if you're going to go to heaven, go now, right? And get out of here so that you don't influence anybody else for the Lord. Is that right? He'd rather take you to hell with him. But if you can't do that and you are going to go to heaven, then get out of here now. Just go on now. But no, God wants to use us. There's not too many people believing in the Lord and working for the Lord. The Bible said the harvest is great and the laborers are. We need more of us. A lot more of us. Somebody said out loud, I don't have to leave early. You can see Paul by the Spirit of God. And this is so wonderful that this is in the Bible because it just blows so many people's theology right out of the water. He said, for me to live is Christ. To die is gain. 
But if I live in the flesh, which is Christ and anointed victory, this is the fruit of my work. Yet what I shall choose, I what not. What means no. Did he say he, ha- he doesn't know which one he's going to choose? Did he say that? Did Paul say, I don't know which one I'm going to choose, whether I stay and live and work or whether I die and go home to be with the Lord. Did he say, I don't know which one I'm going to choose? Yes, he did. People try to dance around it. They try to make it say any something else. They try to say, oh, well, now, Paul, you know, that's not up to you. Apparently, he didn't know that. And what's more apparent, the Holy Ghost who was inspiring him and speaking through him didn't know that. He said, I don't know which one I'm going to choose. Didn't he say it? Can we choose? Can't, do we have some say-so in this thing? Hmm? Can we choose whether we stay and live longer or whether we go on? Most Christians don't believe this. And yet here it is right here in the Bible. People say, well, now, it's appointed unto man a time to die. And when your time comes, you going. And it might be on a Thursday afternoon at 3 o'clock when you're 25 years old. Or, or it might be on a Saturday morning, you know, when you're 49. Or it might be, but when your time comes... You going. No. Don't make no difference what you anybody else thinks. Because that's God's business. <laughs> Wrong. Wrong. <laughs> that's stuff people have made up. It's religious tradition. It is not the Bible. Don't get concerned. I'm going to prove it to you. With about 20 scriptures. Are you ready? Yes. <laughs> you should see some of the looks I'm getting across the crowd. People are like, <laughs> oh, you're treading on thin ice preaching. No, oh, you're the one on thin ice. We got scriptures. <laughs> First of all, go to Hebrews. You might put your ribbon or something in Philippians because we want to come back to that at some point and finish reading what he said about that. But let's talk about this choice. Did he really have a choice? Could he really choose? Whether he stayed and lived or whether he went on then? Hebrews, the ninth chapter. Let's read that verse that I just misquoted. I was actually quoting somebody else misquoting it. Hebrews 9, 27. Are you there? 9.27, what does it say? 9.27 says, And it is appointed unto men, what? Once, underline that. Circle it. Something. It is appointed unto men, what? A time to die? No, no. Once to die. But after this, the judgment. Somebody say once. What does once mean? One time. If the Lord tears his coming, all of us are going to die. Hmm? If the Lord tears his coming, 
even uh, another couple of hours. Somebody says, well, no, the Lord's coming soon. There's no question about that. But he could wait just another day. Couldn't he? Couldn't he? Could he? He could say, well, there's so many people that are lost, and I believe I can get a lot more of them in. I'm going to wait a, at least another half day. Hmm? That's 500 years. <laughs> so I don't like that. Well, it doesn't matter if you like it or not. That's how it is. <laughs> and the Bible said he is long-suffering, not willing that any should perish. And that's why he keeps waiting. Isn't it? I'm glad he waited long enough for me to come in. How about you? Aren't you glad? A lot of people in here, aren't you glad that he didn't come while you were running from him? He waited a little longer and you came on in and got well. There's a lot of folk in that boat and worse off. And he'll know. He'll come at the right time. It'll be perfect. But if he just waits another couple of hours, that's too long for me and you. Our life is done. We're out of here. It is appointed unto man once, one time to die. Now go to Ecclesiastes. See, people misquote that. They say it says a time. It didn't say a time. It said once, one time. And Ecclesiastes does talk about a time frame and work, but we're going to see what that means. Ecclesiastes, I think it's the third chapter. I want to cover some more ground tonight. Can you stay with me? Can you stay hooked? I want us to get this established. From the Bible. Ecclesiastes 3. This is another scripture that is quoted. Sometimes quoted correctly. But misapplied. Misunderstood. Ecclesiastes 3. And 1. It says. For everything. I'm reading the New Living Translation. For everything there is a season. Somebody say season. Season. To everything there is a season and a time to every purpose under the heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, and the list goes on. Somebody says, well, see, it said right there, time to die. It did, but don't miss that first word. Season. He's talking about a season. How many know a season is not necessarily 3 o'clock in the afternoon on a Tuesday? A season. Go to Job, please. Job, chapter 5, I believe it is. We could read some of these, quote some of these to you, but I want you to turn and let your eyes rest on. Mark them. You may need to help somebody with this next week. Hmm? And if you marked them or you took notes, you could sit down and go with them because there are millions of people that don't, I'm talking about Christians, good people that love God. They're thoroughly saved, but they don't believe what we're talking about tonight. They don't believe this. And yet it's the Bible, isn't it? Job 5. Did you find it? Job 5 and 26. Job 5, 26 says, You shall come to your grave in a full age, like as a shock of corn comes when? In his season. In his season. Uh, Another translation says, you will be like wheat that grows until harvest time. You'll live to a ripe old age. The CEV says, you'll live a long life and your body will be strong until the day you die. 
That sounds good, doesn't it? The Living Bible says you'll have a long, good life like standing grain. You'll not be harvested until it's time. You'll come to your grave at a ripe old age like a stack of hay in the right season. How many know that there is a right time to harvest the grain and then there's a time that's premature? I mean, you don't harvest the corn when the kernels haven't even developed. Little old bitty premature undeveloped ear. You want to wait till it's fully developed and it goes through all the cycles and it is ripe. That's where we get the phrase ripe old age. It's biblical. It's correct. There is an appropriate season to die. But even that is not set in concrete. Hmm? How many understand 20 is not the right season? And 50 is not the right season? Tell me when would be the approximate right season? This hundred plus, 120, that's the end of the cycle of a human life. That's only because of sin. We were never supposed to die at all. Now, there is a right season, and if that's the case, then there's a wrong season. Uh, Go with me to the book of Proverbs, the third chapter. Proverbs 3. Actually... Hold that place and go to Ecclesiastes 7. We'll read all these together. I told you we need to look at some scriptures. Is that okay with you? I don't want you going out and say, well, that preacher thinks this. No, I read scriptures to you. So it takes it out of the realm of what you and I think. Ecclesiastes 7, and then we're jumping to Proverbs 3. Are you in Ecclesiastes 7? And 17. 717, be not overmuch wicked, neither be thou foolish. Why should you die before your time? Can you die early? Can you die before the right season to go? And he mentioned a couple of reasons why you would, being wicked and then just being foolish. That would be in the category of being reckless, just foolish, doing evil and bad things and then just doing stupid things. There's a lot of folks that's not with us that should still be with us. Why? Because they did stupid stuff. And see, people want to say, oh, no, now, I've had young people tell me this. I just have so much faith in God that I just believe if it's not my time I'm not going no matter what. I could step out in the street in front of this tractor trailer coming down the road at 70 miles an hour. And if it's not my time, I wouldn't go. Well, you believe stuff that's not in the Bible. You believe contrary to the scriptures. The Bible says you can be foolish and die before your time. And stepping out in front of an 18-wheeler is foolish. I'm going to prove my faith. Well, no, you're going to be dead. You're going to be gone. One fellow was saying, see, this language is all through the church. Here you got somebody that did something dumb and they're dead at 30 years old. And the preacher stands up and says, God took them. We don't understand it, but it was God's timing and he took them. And we just need to leave it with him. 
That's incorrect terminology. According to this, they went before their time. Don't say God took them. One fellow was talking about they had this big uh, plant and there was a lot of, uh, well, equipment around that you could get hurt. And people kept getting hurt, kept getting hurt. And people said, well, you know, God's just taking them. God's taking them. God's taking them. And he said, you know, I've noticed that when people follow the safety rules, he don't take near so many of them. (laughs) No, it's not true. We have something to do with it. We can do things that will shorten our life. We can do things that will lengthen our life. It is not set in concrete. The Bible says so. Don't be wicked. Don't be foolish. Why should you die before your time, before your season? Uh, Go to Proverbs 3, please. While you're turning there, I'll read another scripture to you. The Bible said in Psalm 55, don't turn there, you go into Proverbs 3, but just listen to this. Psalm 55, 23, maybe y'all can put it up on the screen, 55, 23. It says, bloody and deceitful men shall not live out half their days. Can you live in such a way that you forfeit half your life? And would that be the will of God? And when you died at half of your life being lived, could you accurately say God took them? It wasn't their time. Wasn't God. Now, you know, if they were saved, even if they didn't live right, God loves them. But you and I have a will. We have a choice. We can do something. Listen, it's obvious from these two verses, you can do things that shorten your life. Do you agree? All right, look at Proverbs. Here's some things you can do that can lengthen your life. Proverbs 3. Proverbs 3 and verse 1. He said, My son, forget not my law. Let your heart keep my commandments, verse 2, for length of days and long life and peace. They'll do what? They'll add to you. If you keep the word of God, it will add to you long life. Skip to the fourth chapter. Let me just give you a few of these. Proverbs 4 and 10. We saw bloody and deceitful men, wicked and foolish men would shorten their life. But Proverbs 4.10, hear, O my son, and receive my sayings, and the years of your life shall be many. What if you're not foolish? What if you're wise? What if you listen to God and obey Him? The years of your life will be many. Uh, Chapter 9, Proverbs 9, 10 and 11 the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. This is 9.10. Knowledge of the Holy is understanding. For by me your days will be what? Multiplied by him, by the wisdom of God. The years of your life shall be increased. Are there things you can do that will increase? The day. Bible says so. The days and years of your life. Finally in the 10th chapter. 10.27. Proverbs 10:27. The fear of the Lord does what? Prolong. Are the things you can do that will stretch out your life. Make it longer. And make it better. The fear of the Lord prolongs days. But the years of the wicked shall be 
shortened. That's not because some preordained thing that God set in motion. It's because of the choice that men made to live righteously or to live wickedly. I know some folk don't like that, but I'm reading scriptures. Now, if you like long life, you'd like it. Because it means you're not some helpless victim waiting for your number to come up. With no idea when that might be. No. Go back with me to Philippians now. Let's talk some more about this. We're endeavoring to establish. Did he really have a choice? That he could say. I'm going to choose. Whether I stay. And live some more. Work some more. And have some more fruit. Or. I'm going to choose to go on. Philippians. One. I mean, another hour and a half is not much. Huh? Why rush it? I'm looking at a lot of people that are over 40 years of age. Huh? That means if you went the whole span, which most people don't because of numerous reasons. But if you just went two of your hours, that'd be 104. Wouldn't it? Two and a half. Two and a half hours. Then uh, it's going to be gone. I mean, how many remember just a few days ago when you were uh, in elementary school? Uh, you were learning how to drive and you first this and first that. And you're just getting now look back and, and you're 50, you're 60, you're 70. And, well, you got a right to the rest of your hour. You have a right. Young people, you got a right to two more hours. Older people, you got a right to the rest of your hour. What you do want to make sure is that before you leave, you're through. You did everything you were supposed to do. Hmm? You want to make sure that everything God put in you, you got it out. Everything that he ordained for you to do, you did it. Did it well. Finished it. Somebody say finished it. Finished it. Completed it. I know uh, I first learned about this before I had ever gone to Rhema or had any training in Bible school or anything. I got a hold of some tapes about faith and some tapes about healing. I got excited about it. And and, uh, there was a lady in our church that was just a mother in the church. I don't know if you know what I mean by that. But she was a strong believer and had been a mother spiritually to a lot of people. And just a wonderful woman and loved God. Knew the word. Knew the spirit of God. Praying woman. And uh, she'd testify. Blessed everybody in the church when she did it. She didn't call herself a preacher per se. But boy she'd prophesy and when she testified. And... Uh, she got sick and was sick and down for month after month after month. Finally, they said, you know, she had multiple things that were killing her. She was not going to make it. And she'd been bed fast virtually for months. Well, I went by going to work wasn't too far from the hospital from where she was. And so in the, after, the evenings after work, I'd go by and see her. And of course, I'm getting a hold of healing scriptures, getting a hold of faith, brand new. But I'd go by and I'd call her name, sister so-and-so. I said, you know, could I read the Bible to you? Oh, yeah, Keith, read the Bible to me. She loved God. Of course, I read healing scriptures. 
selected passages. Faith scriptures, right? And she could, I mean, she's smart. She could tell what I was doing. And she'd say, well, now, Keith, I've had a good life. And I've enjoyed a lot of things. And if it's the Lord's time for me to go, then that's just fine. And I didn't know how to answer that. But something inside me wasn't satisfied with that. I know the Lord tarries is coming. We eventually leave here. None of us promised to live down here forever. And I don't want to. But I knew something wasn't quite satisfying me about that. And so I'd just, I'd read other scriptures. And, and I'd try to talk to her about by stripes you're healed. And that didn't, she didn't want to hear that. And I tried to talk to her about he's redeemed us from the curse of the law. And someone or another, that didn't register with her. And, and I just, but I wasn't going to quit. I just kept coming back and said, can I read some more to you? And she said, well, sure, Keith, come on. She knows I'm going to try something. <laughs> but she loves me. She might think I'm misguided, but she loves me, and I'm young, and she'll tolerate a certain amount of this. <laughs> and uh, what am I saying to you? Don't quit. Just stay with it. And uh, I got on Psalm 91 one day. This verse we're talking about, verse 16, with long life, he'll satisfy us. And show his salvation. I said you know it says right there. That we can live a long time. And get satisfied. I said sister I called her name. I said are you sure. That you're satisfied with life. You've done everything. That you feel like the Lord would have you to do. And need to do. She says well I've, I've done a lot of things. I said you know we need you down at the church. Oh, it helps people when you testify. And we just like seeing you there. It just makes us feel better. I said you know young whippersnappers like me. We need some guidance. We need some help. I said, are you sure there's not anything else that you need to do? She said, well, well, you know, there are some things I had kind of thought about doing. I said, it said right here he'd satisfy you. <laughs> she said, well, I guess it did. I said, oh, man, I'm on it now. I'm on it now. I'm getting some response. See, it's not just mental assent that... Brings us up and gives us victory. There's got to be that reaction. That response. From the human spirit. And how can you tell if you really believe in something? Every time. Every time. You'll get excited. I saw a little spark. It wasn't too big. But a little bitty spark. In sister so and so's eye and fur. In her voice. Her, well I. Yeah I do enjoy going to church. I do. I said and we enjoy having you. We. <laughs> we. You know, is there anything else? Well, you know, I don't want to be greedy but and selfish, but, you know, there are some things that I, I kind of wanted to do. I said, well, it said right here, he would satisfy. Didn't he say he'd satisfy you? She said, well, that's what it said. I said, it says it right there. I read it again about three times. I said, long life. And she pepped up. Next day I came in, she was sitting up in bed. I read the same verse. I mean, don't go anywhere new now. I mean, it, I read the same verse and we talked about it and got stirred up. She got better and better and better and came home. Nobody expected that to happen. She came home. And a couple of weeks later, she's standing up in church testifying. Glory to God. And lived for a good length of time after that. And eventually got satisfied and went on. But 
there's power in these words. To change our spirits and our minds and our bodies. It's our right. We only got two and a half hours. It's all right. It belongs. See, back there, people living almost a day. They'd feel sorry for us. Wouldn't they? You only get to live two hours? We lived a whole day in our time. Well, yeah, we know it, but y'all messed it up too. I mean, everybody's so mean that God said, I'm not putting up with this. You can't live a whole day. You can only live two hours. Somebody said out loud, I want my two hours. I claim my two hours. You need to get stirred up about it now because if you're passive and if you're open to something else, the devil will talk you out of it. Symptoms and feelings and challenges and attacks will wear you down. You'll get tired. You'll quit. Or you can say, no, no, I'm only here for two hours and I want my two hours. I claim my two hours. With long life, he will satisfy me and show me his salvation. Glory to God. Glory to God. Somebody say, glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. God. Philippians, did you find that again? Philippians. Parents, teach your little children this. Best time to get this is when you're little. You're young. Needs to be ingrained in you so that as they get older and have challenges and tests and attacks, they're not in the middle of deciding what a long life is that's already been established in them. They know what is theirs, what they have a right to, what belongs to them, what to resist, what to stand for, what to fight for. Philippians 1, he said, for me to live is Christ, to die is gain, not loss, gain. You know, it's a common thing for people to say at funerals, you know, sorry for your loss, isn't it? I mean, it just almost universally said among believers, but I know, uh, you know, a while back when my dad went home to be with the Lord. And people kept saying that to me inside. I'm saying, I didn't lose him. I know right where he is. <laughs> I didn't lose him. Yeah, I can't go visit him here in this life. But I did not lose him. And he's not lost. I mean, if you have a relative that moved from Arkansas to California. People don't come and say, sorry for your loss. Right? They go, well, no, he's not lost. I know where he is. I mean, I can't visit him right now, but he, I know where he is. He's over there. Heaven is a real place. He said, to me to live is Christ. To die is what? Come on, tell me. To die is gain. Gain. If I live in the flesh, this is the fruit of my labor. Yet what I shall choose, what I shall choose, what I shall choose. What's he talking about? What's he going to choose? Whether to die and go to be with the Lord, which is gain, or whether to stay here and live and work and get more fruit. And you see him in the writing of the letter, he makes his decision. 
At this point, he says, what I'm going to choose, I don't know at the moment. And then he keeps writing, I'm in a strait betwixt two. I'm pulled over this thing. He said, I got a desire to get out of here, to depart and be with Christ. He said, personally, that's what I want to do. I'm ready to do that and right now. And to be with Christ, which is? He's already said it was gain. Now he says it's far better than what? Than being here. I don't want to live down here too long. I mean, I want to run my course. I want to finish my what I'm supposed to do. But as soon as I know I got that done, I want to be out of here. Because compared to heaven, this place is a garbage can. <laughs> but let's be good soldiers. Right? The Bible said, endure hardness as good soldier. Yeah, the curse is down here. Yes, you know, you got to clean up everything every day and your body's growing older and you got all this stuff you got to deal with and devils and crazy people and attacks and you got to believe for your needs to be met. But we're also on the front line. We're where it's happening. We're where the action is. And our tour of duty only lasts a couple hours. Let's set our face like Flint. Let's endure hardness. Let's get this job done. Let's tell everybody we can about Jesus. Let's get them in. Many as we can in, right? Let's help everybody. Encourage everybody we can. Because we'll soon be out of here anyway. Very short amount of time. You know, when things get tough, everybody wants to go home. But somebody needs to stay and win the battle. Sure. Somebody say, I can. Endure hardness. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can. See, who went on to say? He said, I'm in a strait betwixt two. I'm pulled about this thing. I, I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to abide in the flesh is more needful for you. He got to thinking about that and he said, you need me. And having this confidence, I know that I shall abide and continue with you all for your furtherance and joy of faith. We have record where he made his decision that he is not going to go right now. He's going to stay. Don't we? Now, there are all kind of theologians and folk can say, Paul, Paul, that's not up to you. That's not your choice. But they're ignoring the Bible. I accept this. Somebody say, I have a choice. I have a choice. choice. So you can go early or you can stay. Right? Say it again. I have a choice. choice. What if they tell me I'm terminal and I have to die in three months? You have a choice. I said, you have a choice. People will tell you you don't have a choice, but the Bible says you got a choice. There's nothing bigger than God. You got a choice. I mean, they told the sister I'm talking about. She was older. And everybody had given up on her. And they so you said, if one thing didn't kill her, these other two would. <laughs> but she got a hold of something, 91.16. I'll never forget it. That's why I'm telling you about it tonight. I saw that glimmer in her eye. She probably thought, you little rascal. Because <laughs> I said, are you sure that there's not something else you want to do? 
Are you sure you're satisfied, sister so-and-so? She looked at me like, well. And I knew it. I knew it was turning at that moment. And sure enough, she got, I mean, she was hemorrhaging. They were feeding her through IVs. She couldn't eat. She's bed fast. I'm telling you, in a matter of days, the woman was home at home at home eating herself. Stood up in church just a week after that and testified. Everybody shouted. Can you imagine? Oh, everybody shouted. And I tell you what, I was hooked. I was standing there like the cat that got the canary. I was thinking, mm. I knew it worked. I knew it worked. I knew it did. And I'm still excited about it. Because we just keep seeing it work. Somebody say, I have a choice. I have a choice. And you know. This is in Philippians. Go to Timothy. You will see Paul and the results of his choice. The second Timothy and the fourth chapter, he made his choice. He said, uh, I'd like to leave myself and go to be with the Lord. It's far better than being here. But, but to stay in the flesh is needful for you. You need me to help you. And so having this confidence, I'm going to stay. How many understand that's love? Isn't it? To stay through the pain and through the attacks and through the discomfort and through everything that goes with aging and everything else and say, yeah, but I'm not leaving till I'm through. Hmm? And he did. Somebody say hallelujah. hallelujah. He did. In 2 Timothy 4 and verse 5. 2 Timothy 4, 5. He said, watch in all things. Endure affliction. Somebody say endure. endure. Will that always be easy? No. no, but can you do it? You can do all things through Christ. Endure afflictions. Do the work of an evangelist. He's talking to Timothy, his son in the faith. He's preaching and stirring him up. He said, make full proof of your ministry. Uh, That means accomplish it entirely. Say accomplish entirely. And then he goes on to talk about that. He knows what he's talking about. Verse 6, he says, for I am now ready To be offered the time of my departure is at hand. It's like somebody sitting at the airport waiting to get on that big plane to go on the vacation. Departure time is. Oh, we're going on vacation. We're getting out of here. Hmm? Now we read back there. He said, uh, I'm going to stay. I'm going to stay. But now years have passed and he did stay and he did help them. And what did, read this next part. Read the next part. The time of my departure is at hand. What did he say? I have fought a good fight. Woo, don't you want to say that? When you're old. Somebody say old. Old. Before I read the rest of this, listen to this. Talking about individuals that this came to pass. Moses, the one who wrote this. He lived to be 120 years old, and his eyesight was clear, and he was strong as ever, the Bible said. Natural force had not abated. Abraham gave up the ghost. He died in a good old age, an old man, and full of years. The NAS says he was satisfied with life. Are you hearing a pattern here? 
The Bible said concerning David, he died at a good old age, having enjoyed a long life, wealth, and honor. The English version says he died at a ripe old age, wealthy and respected. (laughs) The scripture said, let me die the death of the righteous and let my last end be like his. The Bible said concerning Jacob, who died at what age? 147. He called all his kids into the bedroom. And he sat up in the bed. The Bible said he commanded them and he prophesied over all of them. And he gathered his feet to the bed and yielded up the ghost and was gathered to his people. That's the way to go. I said, that's the way to go. You don't have to lose your mind. You don't have to become senile. You don't have to become tied to a chair or bed fast. This lady's riding her bicycle at 100 every day. Took up fencing at age 85. She just died in 1997. This is current. This is present. The devil's always trying to paint you bad pictures. Ah, you don't want to live that long. You won't have the quality of life. Ah, you'll run out of money. And you'll run out of health. And you don't want to live that long. Yes, you do. Because you can be victorious. Ah, you won't be like you were when you're 22. But you can be sharper than you were mentally at 22. You can be stronger and better than you were spiritually than when you were 22. And God can keep this body together as long as you need it. Can you say amen? Amen. Paul chose to stay for the benefit of others, didn't he? And now years later, we're reading from his own hand the results of it. Just another hour or so. And his half hour or whatever it was passed. And now he's got this release in his spirit. He said, I'm ready. (laughs) The time of my departure is at hand. You know, the Bible said about Jesus numerous times said his hour was not come. They tried to kill him. They tried to, his hour was not come. His hour was not come. Finally, he said, the hour's come. How many know we can know and not be upset about it? We can know and it be a thing of satisfaction with us. What did the rest of this verse say? He said, I have fought a good fight. Oh, glory to God. I am believing to be able to say that. Are you at the end of the way to look up and to look back and go, (laughs) I didn't know everything and didn't do everything, you know, always the perfect way, but I fought a good fight. I hung in there. Didn't quit. I fought a good fight. And what? Read that next phrase. And what? I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Every one of us in here ought to lay hold of this with our spirit and say, I'm doing that. I'm doing that. Say it out loud. I'm doing this. I'm fighting a good fight. I'm finishing my course. I'm keeping the faith. Got to choose to do that. Because there will be all kind of things that will try to rob you and I. Of our days, our minutes, our hour. I've kept the faith. Oh, I like this, don't you? Verse 8, he said, henceforth, 
there's laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord the righteous judge will give me at that day, and not me only, but unto all them that love his appearing. I'm excited about Mom Hagen. Woo, wonder what she's wearing. Wonder what she's seeing. She always looked great. She always dressed like a million bucks. But now she is prettier than she ever was when she was 25. Glory to God. But they ran their course. She was attacked with cancer. How many years ago was that, Phyllis? Decades. 20 years ago, it would have seemed to incapacitate her and take her out. But Phyllis and I talked about it. I mean, she dealt with those things. But when it was service time, brother, she dressed up. She perked up. We went to service. And she overcame it. And lived. Lived. Decades. Well, would that be, oh, another 30 minutes? Well, you can do a lot in another 30 minutes, God time. Another 30 minutes. And now has gone home. Boy, this appeals to me. This speaks to my heart. When he says, I'm ready now. He wasn't ready there in Philippians, was he? I mean, personally, he wanted to go. But in his heart, he knew, I'm not done. I'm not done. I need to work for you and help you some more. But now he has gotten through that. He has done all that work. And now he's excited because the time of my departure is at hand. And I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Somebody say hallelujah. Hallelujah. Stand on your feet, please, and say it out loud. With long life. He will satisfy me, will satisfy me. With, long life. with long life. He will satisfy me, will satisfy me. With, long life. with long life. He will satisfy me, will satisfy me. And, show me and show me His salvation. His salvation. Glory to God. Say it out loud, I'm claiming my hours. I'm claiming my time. I'll not be denied. I'll not be robbed. Greater is he who's in me than anything against me. I will fight a good fight. I will finish my course. I will keep the faith in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Come on, praise him some more. Pray, just lift up your hands. Begin to bless the Lord and praise the Lord. Oh, glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.